He knew people were not following or trusting him as much as they should have. Violence, cruelty, theft, among other things, had become more frequent as Jesus' birth neared. People were falling away from God and they had started to turn towards their own selfish ways. God knew this was going to happen and sent his son, Jesus, down to save the world. God did this because he is kind, caring and forgiving. By sending Jesus down as a man, God created a pathway for everyone to escape sin and live in heaven with him forever. Although what happened before Jesus was born is happening now. Violence, unforgiveness and unkindness has become the new norm. Our culture today is not only unforgiving but cancelling. One mistake makes you a social outcast and people don't believe that you could change if you slipped up just once. The Bible yet again has great advice on how to change this toxic behaviour. The unforgiving servant parable in Matthew chapter 18 is the story of the king that so kindly and graciously forgave his servant of a massive debt. That same servant then went and demanded a smaller debt from one of his servants. This is an example of the if this is an example of the selfish and unforgiving world we are living in today. But it doesn't have to be that way. It reads in Colossians chapter 3, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. This is the way we should be living and the example we should be following. Forgiveness is the gateway to trust, relationships and the releasing of burdens and grudges. Who wouldn't want that? We should forgive because he forgives. He is the ultimate example we should be following. But why should we forgive if we think that we are in the right? It says in Matthew chapter 6, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. If we do not... <laughs> we should forgive everyone whether we think they deserve it or not. If we don't, God will not forgive us. God will not forgive us of our sins on Judgment Day. To keep this from happening, we should pray to our God daily and ask him for guidance and direction so we don't stray from his wonderful path. Thank you. Hello, church. I'm going to speak about I Need, which was a point in one of Pastor Jack's messages. Saying I need is extremely powerful. It separates humility from pride. When someone says, I need, it means that they want help and that they are vulnerable. When someone says, I don't need your help, that is an example of a prideful person who is arrogant. In Proverbs 3, verse 34, the Passion Translation, it says, If you walk with the mockers, you will learn to mock. But God's grace and favour flow to the meek. This is an example of how if we are humble, God will favour us over the prideful. The words I need is important to me because it actually draws us closer to God. And when someone says that, it means that they trust God, that they are vulnerable with him. In a relationship, if you have no trust, it's not a good relationship. So when you say I need to God, it's you being vulnerable with him and saying to him, I'm here, God, I need your help. In Luke 18, verse 9 to 14, two men went to a temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, 
He beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, uh, yeah, and for those who humble themselves will be exalted. As a pastor's kid, it is very easy for me to get prideful and arrogant, much like the Pharisee in this parable. It took my parents' help uh, to help me realise that asking for help from God, it can, uh, not asking for help from God, it can lead to pain and loneliness, which ultimately puts us off track. But if we acknowledge that we need God's help, it keeps us humble and focused on God. I hope that my little word has stirred your heart today as it has mine. I have the honor of sharing around a second one this morning. <laughs> what is submission? Galatians 4.19 talks about having Christ formed in us. And forming is a process of transformation. You know, God created us perfectly, but who knows it can be so easy to allow the world to mould us and conform us to its ways. When metal is heated to really hot temperatures, it becomes malleable. These conditions are painfully hot to touch. This can be like us. If we choose to submit to the Lord's will for our lives, it will almost certainly lead to seasons of discomfort and suffering because sometimes that is what it takes for us to reach the level of mouldability God requires to shape us into further likeness to Christ. But why would God want to change me into someone else? This is a question I had when I was listening to the sermon. But Holy Spirit answered me. <laughs> You see, when metal is being forged, impurities are being removed and the physical state changes, but the chemical composition remains the same. The true substance of who our God originally created us to be cannot be affected by the world. Our true spiritual identity remains the same, uniquely crafted by the Creator. God just wants to rework the physical changes caused by the world so we can achieve the heavenly purpose we were designed for. And this is a hard process. Surrender is a process. We were, however, given the choice as to if we surrender to the Lord or not. And Pastor Jack demonstrated and compared the mindsets of Christ's way and the devil's way. Jesus says, thy will, the devil says, my will. Jesus chooses submission, the devil chooses ambition. Jesus says, I will humble myself, and the devil says, I will exalt myself. But Jesus is sitting at the right hand of most high in heaven and the devil is in the lowest depths of the pit in hell. <laughs> the process of surrender might not be easy, but I know the route that I want to take. So how do I submit? Hebrews 5, 8 through 9 says, Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as the perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Jesus learned obedience and submission from his suffering. And once he was perfected, a.k.a. the process was complete, he fulfilled God's plan for his life. I submit is how I become like Jesus, one who makes a difference and directs our fallen world to a merciful, life-giving God. And my goodness, that is powerful. Hello everyone, good morning. My name is Faith, as it says on the board, and I'm gonna be talking about I will. I will is a very strong word, it's certain, and it's like an unspoken promise that can easily be broken. 
It's like me telling myself I'm not going to buy anything from the shops, yet here I am with a new pair of jeans. <laughs> I will is a choice, and God has given us that choice. God has given us will. Thanks to the I will from Moses, the Israelites escaped Egypt. And thanks to the I will of Paul, hundreds of people came to know God. Just from those two examples, we can understand how saying I will can change lives and change the world. In Joshua, it talks about, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. By Joshua saying that he will serve the Lord, he and his family were blessed and protected. The I will is the action. That's the choice. As my dad would say, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. It can go the way we want it to, or it can go the complete opposite way. We have the choice, but what will we do? When we look at people like Zacchaeus from the Bible, we can see that he had quite a lot of money, but he gave it all up to say, I will, to Jesus. He didn't know what would happen. He didn't know what the consequence would be or what the reaction would be. All he knew is that he trusted. He had blind faith. And Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice by saying, I will, to the cross. And that's something that we can all respect. Thank you. Thank you, Faith. That was awesome. And I love what everyone else has said so far. I won't. These words are so powerful and can change your life in a positive or negative way. The devil will try and overrun your day, week, month or even life. Ask yourself, when you heard about this pandemic almost two years ago, were you scared? Maybe not. But when things started to change, like lockdowns happening, this is when most feelings started to change. Once hearing about all the deaths and cases in each COVID-19 strain, it was scary for me, for the younger generation, and for the safety of our older generation as well. Once everything started to close, like the church, schools, and outside hobbies such as netball, soccer, or football, it felt pretty limiting and we were all pretty fearful of what was coming next. We had no idea what the future had held. But the words, I won't, can impact your life Impact your life by saying, I won't fear this pandemic as I know that God is watching over me, which turns my heart around. Jesus is always with us, as, and we know this is true in our hearts when the words, I won't, become a part of our vocabulary. I won't fear situations that are around me. From Psalms 27, verse 1 to 6, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? From Psalms 3 to 6, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who set themselves against me all around. When we say I won't in our, with our faith the God, in God and our language following our lives are impacted in the best way. Trusting God and saying not, no to fear moves from insecurity to security. Not because of anything we can do, but because of the decision to trust the creator of the universe. Let's use the words I won't in the best way possible by putting our faith in God. Thank you. The 10 most powerful words really are powerful and what we've heard so far is amazing. I love what everyone has said so far. Well, I have the amazing privilege and honor to be sharing on I Am this morning. The world is going through an identity crisis. Young or old, we've all questioned at one point, 
what am I doing with my life? Or who am I? If you're in church, which all of you are, you're in the right place to find your identity. But the Bible is the most amazing place to find the truth because his word is true and never fails. God in his word is telling you who you are. There are so many verses that we can find in his word to equip us with finding out who we are. Like in Galatians 4 verse 7, it says, Now you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. When we declare this over us, we are declaring who we are in Christ. And in another translation, it says, You are no longer slaves, you are God's children, and you will be given what he has promised. He has promised us eternal life and heaven. And in 1 Peter 1.23, it says, For through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. And this seed that he has planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. And Romans 16 to 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we, we, may, all, we may also be glorified together. In these verses, God has spoken to us through his word, telling us who we are in Christ. We are God's children, we are born again, we are his heirs, and we have eternal life in him. This can never be taken away from us, so we should never forget who we are in Jesus. Thank you. Hi, church. My name is Brock, and I'm so excited to be sharing my message of I Can with you all this morning. As I prepared for writing this message as a newly established year 11 student, I stopped and began thinking about how many times a day I say the words, I can't. I can't get through this week. I can't finish this assignment in time. I cannot do math. Or if you're anything like my family, I can't find my phone charger. (laughs) Mom and dad can back me up on that one. Um, We often find ourselves doubting our everyday capabilities. At every obstacle and challenge, we respond with prophetic uncertainty and insecurity. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, one of the most famous Bible verses ever, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can because Christ can. Not I can because I have the time, or I can because I'm prepared, or even I can because I'm resilient, but I can because Christ can. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You know, often we walk through life bruised and tainted by the battles we face in our journey. But he gives strength and he increases power. Knowing this provides us with the ultimate leeway to confront our battles with I can. Confidently putting belief into I can changes both the outcome of our situation and the outcome of our needs. Though this doesn't just apply to our potential difficulties or speed bumps, but it's also a statement of belief in your identity, in your gifts, and in your capabilities all acquired from the Father himself. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than equipped to take on every single curveball that comes our way. 
And as we approach the end of 2021 and readily prepare for the new year with its own battles and also victories, the best way to do so is declaring the two most faith-filled, groundbreaking, outcome-changing words I can. I'm talking about the culmination of the other nine words. I'm talking about I must. I must moves us from complacent to compelled. It brings us from a state of satisfaction to compassion. We can't just be satisfied where we are. We need to be compelled with compassion to do the will of God, which is to preach the gospel to everyone everywhere. I must goes far beyond I can because there are lots of things I can do, but there is that that I must do. In Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 50, it is about when Jesus is 12 years old and was left in Jerusalem at the temple. And when Mary and Joseph found him after looking for a long time, Jesus said, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Jesus knew what he must do. He must be about his father's business. And we must too. I must moves us from a consumer Christianity to a consumed Christian. Robert Moffat says, We shall have all eternity in which to celebrate our victories, but we have only one swift hour before sunset to win them. We must preach the gospel to all the world. We must cry out to the crying out. We must help the hurting. We must go and give. We must. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. We must fight the good fight. We must finish the race and we must keep the faith. When we preach the gospel, we don't know what we're doing in people's lives. We could be planting a seed or we could be watering a plant or harvesting the plant. This means that even if we don't know what we are doing in people's lives, we must. Faith looks a whole lot like I must. Come on, give them a big hand. I heard somewhere that the greatest fear that most people have is the fear of public speaking. They say it's even greater than the fear of death. Have you, ever, have you heard that? I've, I mean, I've seen that written. And, uh, but how fearless is this wonderful group? How fearless. The Bible says that God framed the world with his words. And these 10 powerful words, if we will say them, it's not just know them, not just think them, but if we will say them, they will help you frame your world. They'll help you frame your attitude. They will help create the atmosphere, but it won't be an atmosphere. It'll be an atmosphere faith, an atmosphere hope. Our words have the power to do that. Our words are like the rudder on a great ship. And when I can wake up in the morning and say, 
I believe. I care. Lord, I care today. And I forgive. And I need. And I submit. And I will. And I won't. And I am. And I can. And I must. I'm telling you, those words take the, they turn the rudder of your life and move you to where you want to be, not where the winds are blowing you to be. We've already heard that at some point, someone said today that, uh, maybe it was Mitch and B, that, you know, we, we have all the words that come at us through the week. The media is a fear-mongering media. Well, we might as well just tell the truth because they don't seem to be that interested in it. It's a fear-mongering. It just, it just seems like everything we read wants to produce fear. But I won't. I won't be afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I won't. And so we've got these winds that are contrary to us, these winds that come against us. But we don't have to go with the flow. We don't have to just, you know, go with the current of culture, which, as we already heard, will probably cancel you anyway. No, we can turn our life. We can turn the vessel. We can turn the ship where we want it to go. In the waters of grace, in the waters of peace, in the waters of joy and, and fearlessness and service. And we can live like Jesus is real. We can live like Jesus has conquered death and the devil. We can live like he's enthroned and not just live by the winds that are blowing on us. And so I pray that this series has been a blessing to you. I think the most blessed part of the series you just saw just now. And how amazing. And I want to just commend every one of you. We love you. We're proud of you. And there's dozens more like you. You're just leading, leading the way. And I'll, I'll tell you, Australia, the future's bright. And I'll tell you, Imaginations Church, the future is bright. And you guys, you, you've just taken this little trust that we give you, we gave you, and look what you've done with it. You've just shined. You've just, you've just been amazing. And I think some wonderful breakthroughs have happened today for you and your family. If you're one of the family of one of these young people, would you stand right now? If you're one of the family of one of these young people, would you please stand right now? Let's give them a Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. The older I get, the more my heart is on fire for the next generation. Is that true for you? So I just... I just, I'm on fire for this next generation. I want my ceiling to be their floor. Come on. We can believe for that together, can't we? Let's stand. I'm going to pray over you. We're going to worship for just a moment. And then I think Belinda will come after that. Is that right? Father, can I just thank you for the power of words? But also, Lord, I stand amazed at the responsibility of words, that I am responsible for every word that I speak. By my words, I will be justified, and by my words, I will be condemned. 
And I pray, Father, that we would use this most amazing power and that we would be different than the world because we have the power of words and not only words, but the word of God that helps us speak the right words. Thank you today, Lord, for Lewis and Ella and Caleb and Ryan and Ella and Faith and Mia and Eva and Brock and Jez. Thank you, Lord, for these young people. Thank you that this generation is decreeing this truth now also. So, Father, please let this not just be a little thing that happened. Let it be something that transforms and changes our life. I bless you, and I bless each one. I bless those online. I bless those with us right now who are watching. Father, we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name.